He'll still destroy the world and set him free. I'm glad he didn't. What about you? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Hallelujah, my, 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 thank you, Lord, amen, powerful, hallelujah, amen, glory to God. Well, especially for all of the younger ones in the, in the crowd today, you've been feeling all warm and fuzzy and looking, getting excited about your Valentine for tomorrow, and pastor's fixing to mess it all up for you. <laughs> Hallelujah! Oh, to God, uh, brother, brother Hester, we was up there uh, uh, last night. It's supposed to have been a surprise for Sister Susan, but I don't think she was too surprised. And uh, I was talking, to brother Hester. He said, "Well, he said you uh, you're going to be talking about love tomorrow, preaching on love." I said, "Well, I didn't know exactly at that time yet." what I would be uh, speaking on today. And as I uh, I got up early this morning, it um, something just came over me suddenly and kind of gripped me. And um, I realized it had been a long time since I've dealt and did any teaching or preaching at all on uh, on marriage, and um, as the Apostle Paul, when he left Ephesus, he said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Uh, I have to um, I have to follow that uh, tradition that's behind me as, as being a pastor, that I have to, um, uh, you know, to the best of my ability, and God leads to, to cover everything in this book that uh, uh, helps and benefits all. Hallelujah. And so we're going to do that today. And we're going to go back to the book of Genesis. We're going to read uh, from Genesis chapter 2. We're going to begin verse 21. We're going to read verse 21 through 24. And I'm going to tell you before I read uh, what uh, my message is about today and what we have titled this message I've titled this message, Regaining the Right Perspective of Marriage. Regaining the Right Perspective of Marriage. It seems like society and the world and the devil has done a pretty good job of tearing up and twisting and perverting everything God has created as holy. Marriage is one of those things that he's really worked on. And uh, there's uh, quite a bit of people in this world, and there are people who attend church who do not have uh, the right perspective of marriage, biblically speaking. And Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, this is what it reads like. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of, the, of one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. 
And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And may God add his blessing upon the reading of his word. Lord, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for the privilege to be here. We thank you for what we've experienced and felt so far. And Lord, I stand behind this desk with feelings of incapability, Lord. I, I know I'm, I'm nothing and I, I cannot speak. I don't deserve to speak from your holy word. I'm, I'm dependent upon you, God. I'm asking for your anointing to rest upon me. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Regaining the right perspective of marriage. Hallelujah. Well, I guess the only way to jump in this is just stand back and take a flying leap. Hallelujah. I'll start out. I can't let Brother Travis be the only storytellers around here. So um, I'll start out with one. A man one time was watching his five-year-old granddaughter. Now remember, as you're reading, as we're talking about regaining the right perspective of marriage. Well, a grandfather, uh, he was watching his five-year-old granddaughter play with her toys. And at one point, she staged, with all her little dolls and things out there, she staged a wedding. First, playing the role of the mother who assigned pacific duties, and then suddenly becoming the bride with her teddy bear groom. She picked him up and said to the minister providing, presiding over the wedding, now you can read us our rights. Now that wasn't R I T E H. I mean R I T E S. That was R I G H T. Okay. So she told the minister, "Now you can read us our rights." Without missing a beat, the little girl became the minister and said to the groom to be, "You have the right to remain silent." <laughs> And anything you say may be held against you, and probably will. <laughs> God help me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have a right to have attorney present. Now, this is, this is supposed to be a, a true story. I'm taking from a true story. All right? And then she looks at the groom-to-be and says, Now you may kiss the bride. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, if you plan on getting married, I guess it's best you understand your rights. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, a well-known celebrity um, by the name of uh, Jeannie McCartney was a guest one, one time on the Oprah show. And while describing her divorce from 
another well-known celebrity, Jim Carrey, Oprah asked her, says, when did you know it was over? And she replied, after thinking briefly, oh, I knew it was over when it just stopped being fun. I knew it was over when it just stopped being fun. When it stopped being fun, how long can any marriage survive if the only measure of its viability is whether or not it's fun? Really, think about it. How long could any marriage last if the only criteria for it there is as long as both uh, partners are having fun? But it's sad that that is one perspective that society today has. Falling in love with someone and feeling in love with someone, I want you to know that's the easy part of love. That's the fun part. Meeting somebody, falling in love with them. Uh, Hallelujah. That's the fun part. That's the easy part. After the first night of going home, after holding hands with Sister Darlene uh, about all night long, I could still smell uh, that perfume, and I said, I ain't going to wash that hand again. Until we got married, and she asked me one day, when are you going to take a bath? you soon find out that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Falling in love and having them warm feelings, that's the, that's the easy part. That's the fun part. Because listen to me, church, it doesn't really take much to fall in love. It don't take much to fall in love. It's very easy to become infatuated with somebody. Probably one of the most easiest things that you'll ever do. You know what what would be a far greater measure of love than a man saying, I love you to a woman at the beginning of a romantic relationship? Do you know what would be a far greater measure of love than him? And, and, and even though that you may be wanting to hear those words uh, so much, but a far greater measure of love is that same man saying, I love you to the same woman 30 years down the line after making a home together, after raising kids, after balancing the different demands of career and partnership, and after enduring all the pressures of life. If he can still look at you and honestly say, I love you, then sister, you have gotten yourself a gem. And vice versa. Hallelujah. After years of working to build and maintain passion to keep the flame of romantic love alive, 
That's the far greater measure of love. Now, church, I'm taking my time because this is a serious thing that I'm talking about today. Our culture, our culture today, <laughs> it, 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 it amazes me how things have changed, how people's attitudes have changed, how people's perspective have changed, how people view things. It just, it just amazes me. And our culture itself lies to us when it teaches us the myth of finding our one true love. Now, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on something that you hear, you hear it everywhere today. And maybe you are one, there might be somebody in here that's had this kind of feeling, but I'm going to tell you what's the truth about it. Our culture lies to us, and they've created a myth. They created a myth about finding your one true love, or they use the word soulmate, to the one person in the world who's exactly the right match for you. Now, I want you to understand something. That concept is not from the Bible. That concept actually come out of Greek mythology. That originally are, and here's, let me give you a correct definition of what this theory of having a soulmate really is. Let me tell you the whole story. Hallelujah. Because we get all fuzzy and we want to think all these romantic things. Oh, man, that sounds so good. But this is what the idea of a soulmate means as being taught back from Greek mythology. That our souls originally were physically united with a partner of the opposite sex. The gods separated us before we were born. So we spend our lives searching for our missing half. That that one that the one that that was meant for the one that from who was split off from us. One movie that came out a few years ago called it my split. She said it my split apart. We see this all the time in pop culture, movies, books, songs, and TV shows. I'm here to tell you that you didn't have a part of you in eternity past that the God split off half of you and sent one one way and the other in another way, and you're here to spend your life looking for your soulmate or split apart because people who do that, they'll try one for a little while and they'll come to the conclusion of things. Like, you must not be my soulmate. We'll drop you off and we'll go get another one. And on and on and on. You'll spend your whole life running, running after a pipe dream. As I told you, Pastor's going to mess up all these little fuzzy ideas about Valentine today. But let me tell you this. There is certainly no one true love if by that, that we imagine that there is someone with whom our relationship will not at times be a struggle. Because that's what many starry-eyed girls think. 
and some men that if I get the right one, if I get my true mate, my, my split apart, then what that means is that our relationship will never have no struggles. There's a multitude of people out there that, that believe that and feel that way. There is someone with whom we will not fight. There is someone from whom we cannot be tempted to stray from. One lady, and I like this when I read this, one lady who was married to her husband for over a half a century before he died, she made this comment. This was her comment. That she never once thought in those over 50 years, she never once thought about divorcing her husband. Oh, there were plenty of times I thought about murdering him, but never divorcing him. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Well, I got to agree. That's the way true love feels sometimes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's a lot of truth in that statement. I thought all the ladies would say amen to that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. In other words, even when, even when you find the best possible match, one where both partners are sold out to God, the relationship is still going to be a struggle. You're going to fight with each other. And there's going to be many days when you don't have fun. It ain't fun waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning taking care, amen, of a baby wanting to be fed. Oh, the first time might be all right, but I promise you, it will get old. I've been there. We raised three. I know about it. That's not fun. Hallelujah. There's going to be, and I hate to burst anybody's bubble, especially those maybe who's not yet stepped out into marriage, And but there is going to be many days in a marriage of 30 and 40 and 50 years that it simply is not going to be fun. But you don't walk away from it because it's not fun. I pastored Christ Family Church since 1991, and I promise you there's been a lot of days it ain't been fun. But I'm still here because I made a commitment to God, Brother Hell, and this church body. If I walked away every time I got my feelings hurt, that I keep things bottled up in me, I'd have been doing them many a time. And you know what I'm talking about with different things in your life. Hallelujah. It's not going to always be fun. But love and marriage is not about fun. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what, what you see on television and all these reality shows, so-called reality shows, that swamped our nation today. Marriage was not intended to be fun.
love and marriage, there's three things you better learn about it. And if you can't learn it, you better run from it and never get involved in it. Love and marriage is about forgiveness. If you can't forgive, you better not never get married. Because the honeymoon will not last forever. Pastor's doing some good preaching right now. Hallelujah. Marriage is about forgiveness. And it's about a word that people just don't like nowadays. It's about commitment. And it's about devotion. Forgiveness, commitment, and devotion. Until you have gotten old enough and mature enough to have them all three developing inside of you, you're not old enough to get married. I don't care if you're 105. You ain't old enough to get married. In fact, when you trade in forgiveness, commitment, and devotion, when you decide to trade those three things in for fun, you're going to always end up cheated, shortchanged, and with broken a broken marriage in your portfolio. Hallelujah. I hope y'all taping this. I want, I want to make sure we get it on our website. We got, we got a new website up and running. Our web uh, designers did a fantastic job. It's a great job, Chris. Uh, if you, if you ain't got forgiveness, commitment, devotion down pat in your life, stay away from it. And if you're willing to trade those three things for this word called fun, you're going to always end up cheating yourself, you're going to be shortchanged, and you're going to end up with a broken marriage in your portfolio. Whoop, 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 it's the truth anyhow. There's a couple things that I want to try to get through, and I got to move faster. But I'm trying to take my time because I'm feeling so strong, and God direct me in this. But I want to talk about marriage being God's idea, and then marriage is for life. Number one, marriage was God's idea. Marriage was God's idea. Genesis chapter two. We go back to Genesis verse eighteen, and the Lord God said. It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. Hallelujah. God said that. Adam didn't go running to God. But God came up with this idea first. Marriage was God's idea. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Get this down today. The idea of marriage was birthed in the heart of God out of the love he had for his highest creation up to that point, which was man. God felt the loneliness in the heart of Adam. So the Creator performed one last act of creation and designed a woman to be his wife 
and presented her to Adam. Hallelujah. As Sister Darlene tells me so much, after God created Adam, he looked at it and he saw the flaws and went back to make another one a little bit better. <laughs> I wouldn't want no amen there, but I got it anyhow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God saw, and he, and he not only saw it, but he felt it. He, he felt the loneliness in the heart of Adam. And so he created the woman. And then he presented her to Adam. This is something that God put in my spirit that I had never thought about it this way. I'm sure others have, but sometimes and I'm a little thick skull. Don't say amen, Sister Darlene. It takes longer to get through to me. But this just come to me. When God created Eve and he brought her and presented her to Adam. Just as the father of a bride presents his daughter to her husband, God presented Eve unto Adam, and they became one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As Sister Darling was talking a while ago, the pain of the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross, the Word of God says, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the shame. What joy? What joy was before Him? It was, surely the thorns was not a, was not a joy. The, the beat back was not a joy. The nails in His hands and His feet was not a, not a joy. And he was, he, was, he was not just a man. He was God wrapped in the flesh of man. Hallelujah. He could have come down. He wasn't the nails. But the joy set before Him. He looked out through time. He saw bride. Oh, glory. That was the joy. His bride is His church. Hallelujah. Glory. And so He presented to Adam His bride like a father does his daughter. Amen. God brought Eve unto Adam, and they became one. God's perfect plan, one man, one woman, and one lifetime. And any time we seek to change, redefine, or distort in any way His plan, we will bring suffering, pain, and heartbreak down on our own lives. Hallelujah. Now, there's some things about this when we read the Scriptures about this that, we, uh, that, that we, we should consider. And it's going to maybe get a little bit tighter, but we're getting in, some, in more depth of truth. When we look at this and we look at the Scripture, we've got to realize that, that He chose the bride. It was God who chose the bride that Adam 
should have. He didn't put Adam to sleep. Pop this sleeping pill, Adam. Take a nap. And then when Adam wakes up, there were three or four gorgeous women all standing there before him. And God didn't say, there they are, Adam. Choose. Pick one. That's not the way it went down. God chose, God chose who his bride was going to be. When the first marriage took place, God made the decision concerning who the bride would be, not Adam. Adam didn't have nothing to do with it. Marriages always, and you listen to pastor here as much as you listen to me about anything, marriages always take the first step towards failure when we jump the gun on God and go against His plan for our life simply because the testosterone and hormone levels are racing and we choose our partner based on emotion and feelings rather than on God's Word. Feelings. Whoa, 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 feelings. Go ahead and sing your feelings. You'll be in a pastor's quarters in less than two years needing counsel because your decision was yours rather than God. And it was based on your feelings rather than what God's Word says. It always works that way and it always will. Car and keep it running, brother. I'm gonna have to sneak out the back door. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why in the world would anyone want to leave God? His Word, and His plan out of the greatest decision that anyone will ever make in their life is beyond me. Your decision for a marriage partner is the greatest decision that you will ever make. It's greater than deciding to buy a home, purchase a car, or doing any, what job you're going to do. It's one of the greatest decisions uh, because it's meant for a lifetime. Why would anybody want to leave God out of the process of something so important? Oh, I forgot. Feelings. I want us to take another brief look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. I want to read it again, but I want to read it in, in another translation. A, a, a God's words translation. Genesis 2 and 18. 
Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. A lot of people let the phraseology of the 1611 King James Version mess them up, and they don't understand when it says he will give him a help meet for him. That word help in the original is a comma. I will make a help, and that word meet for him means suitable or right. And God's word translation, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper. Oh, and by the way, don't say a slave. Amen, ladies? I will make a helper who is right for him. You got my car running, Brother Paul? Okay, here goes. If you are a blood-washed, spirit-filled child of the King, then no one is right for you who doesn't have the same experience. I don't care how pretty they are. I don't care how they walk, how they talk. I don't care about feelings. Hallelujah. Man, I need to get on American Idol. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, what we do... is we don't take care of business. We leave too much to chance. And first of all, going back to mom and dad, you're supposed to be training your child not when they're 13 and 14, and beginning to feel the hormone levels begin to rise. If you waited before that time, you done messed up. It's done out of your control. Before they actually go out on that first date, because if, mom and dad, if you ain't done, if you haven't done your job, by the time they get ready for their first date, they're already dating somebody they shouldn't be dating. Things should be taught. We let too many things slide by. And a young lady and a young man both who are raised up in the church cut their teeth on church pews should have been taught by mom and dad by their Sunday school teachers and by their pastor. that you need to have you a list created. First of all, 
of what you're going to accept and what you're not going to accept. Too many young girls especially sell their selves so short because they don't make the decision ahead of time. They don't stop and think. They're running and everything they're doing is by their heart, not by their head. And just because... Just because that guy's driving a cool car and he knows how to both race the car and race your heart, nine out of ten ladies will never stop and, and think about in their mind, is this guy capable of providing me a living? Is he willing to work? <laughs> Doby Gillis. <laughs> or is he expecting somebody else to always hand out to him? Young lady, if you've been in church all your life, and maybe you sang in the choir, or you sang specials, or you've been on the drama team, or you've done this or do that. Did this fellow come out of a young people's meeting? Or a Friday night ball game where his hair is just fixed so right? And he's the most popular fellow in the school class. My, 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 how many of those popular guys that all the girls couldn't keep their hands off in high school and a lot of them, Mr. Charman turns into be a beast and he turned out to be black and blue all over You ought to think twice. I'm on a roll. I'm going to stop. If he can't keep his hands off of you and respect you as a young lady, you better think about years down the road when y'all when y'all have a young a, a young girl. He might not be able to keep his hands off of her, even though he is her daddy. There's always signs and indications to watch for. Now, I told you it was going to get tired, but I'm speaking truth today. I know you may feel like your biological clock is ticking, and if you pass this one up, it might be your only chance. But do you trust God or don't you trust God? Do you love him or don't you love him? And if you love him, why aren't you willing to wait enough on God for God to put the right one in your path? Not somebody who's going to pull you out of church, drive you away from your family, and everything else. 
Hallelujah. My God, you do not hear this thing expounded on today. From nowhere. It seems like we done just lost it all. Oh, God. Hallelujah. If you wait to the time that you accept that first date on deciding on who you're going to stand for, who you're going to not, you've already waited too late. Because this is a proven fact that, that, that men and women both, they, 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 when you wait to the point that you're already feeling that it's too late then, because you're going to be battling those emotions from that time on. In the back of your mind from that time on, you're going to remember what pastor used to preach. You're going to remember what mom and dad tried to tell you. But, man, them, them feelings is just too strong. And so you compromise. You walk away from what's right. How many realize, and this is more so true for women than it, than it is for men, too many people think, so well, he loves me so much, I can make him change. My Lord, if I had a dollar for every time that was said, hallelujah, I'd be rubbing elbows with uh, Bill Gates. Hallelujah. It is said, I have heard it said, that when the bride steps in the back of the church and she begins and she looks down for she starts headed down the aisle, that at that point in time, she's got her mind on the aisle, the altar, and him. The aisle, the altar, and him. And somewhere about middle ways down, all that just gets jumbled up together, and she's thinking, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now listen to me. Man, I've got, I've got, to, I've got to move on, Lord. I ain't. Lord Jesus, help me. Help me. There have been a few exceptions. There have been a few exceptions where the unsaved spouse got saved and, turn, and everything turned out okay. There, there have been a few exceptions, but, it, but it's been very few. Hallelujah. It's the exception and not the rule. Statistics prove Go online, look at any statistic that you want to look at, and statistics prove that 8 out of 10 marriages performed when one partner is saved and the other is lost, one or two things will happen. Either, either it will end in divorce or the saved partner ends up out of church and in a backslid condition. Not 100% of the time, but the majority... And the majority of it is too close to take a chance. Hallelujah. So God chose the bride. 
and the very first one, and we still should be letting him choose the partners today. Hallelujah. After all, Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. Jesus knows you're good at looking in the mirror and lying to yourself. Amen? Not only did he choose the partner, but he set the conditions. When God came up with the idea of marriage, he not only chose the bride, but he also set the conditions on which the marriage was to be based on. And the first condition that God set was one man and one woman. God said it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Now that's all I'm going to say on that at this time. That's a whole another. That's a no. another message there. Hallelujah. But although the day's quickly coming that this guy's probably going to be taken down from the pulpit and hauled to jail because I'm preaching some kind of hate talk, but it's still whoop whoop glory the truth anyhow. Hallelujah. Amen. God put together the conditions. One man, one woman. Hallelujah. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Let me move on. God, God also said that man should leave his... I might not get to the second part of this message. It's ten minutes to four now. I may finish it up later, but there, I mean, this thing right here needs to be preached, folks. And I'm doing my best to do it in love, and I'm hoping you can see... See, uh, uh, see how it's coming from within me that this, we have got to regain the right perspective of marriage. Hallelujah. God also said that man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. That word cleave means to cling to, hold on to. I, can, <laughs> I can't count the marriages that have failed because this principle and condition of God was not kept. My car running? Okay, here goes another one. Mamas, you don't need to. Mamas don't need to invite themselves over to the Newtowell's house anytime they wish. Again, it was Adam and Eve. It wasn't Adam and Eve and Mama. Hello, somebody. And little boys who think they're old enough for marriage should grow up and stand on their own two feet taking the responsibility that they have taken and take it seriously. Amen. Hallelujah. God set all these conditions. Hallelujah. Second part quickly. Not, not, only, not only was marriage was God's idea, but marriage is for life. And talking about regaining the right perspective of marriage, we can see how the concept of a lifelong union went out the door with 29 cents a gallon gasoline. And if you're not old enough here to remember 29 cents of gasoline, then you need to 
recheck your perspective of marriage because it's changed. Hallelujah. I can remember 20. I, I, think, I, 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 I think the cheapest I can remember is, is 27 cents, but that's, that's as far back as I can remember. But I, all right. Okay. I was 17. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Listen to me. The sacredness of wedlock is a thing of the past. And there are many things which have contributed to the desecration of the marriage rite. Hallelujah. I said the sacredness of wedlock is a thing of the past. It went out with 29 cent gas. And there have been many things which have contributed to desecration of the marriage rite. One of the things that's helped tear up that is Hollywood. Hallelujah. It's kind of like what Liz Taylor told her third husband. I'll not keep you long. It's also by changes of law. We talked about Roe v. Wade taking prayer and Bible out of the schools. Matter of fact, we harp on that pretty strongly. But we, there's one thing that the law changed also during the same time period that's greatly affected the outcome of this nation's morality that you don't hear it talked about much. It's the fact of a law change, what they call no-fault divorce. No-fault divorce. There was a day and time in this country that if you went to the courts to sue your partner for divorce, you had to show and prove a substantial reason. Adultery against you, uh, cruelty, whatever. But they changed, and they called this thing called no-fault divorce. And I tell you what, a lot, we lost a lot of things when they started passing that law, and each state passed it. One, and one of it is, you're married to somebody, and if that person decides they want to get a divorce, they can get it nine times out of ten, no matter where. You can do everything you want to do to try to hold the marriage together and not to do it. But this thing called no-fault divorce. Let me, let me read to you a statement from... Uh, a, a family court a judge. Judge Randall Heckman said, listen to his words, it is easier to divorce my wife nowadays of 26 years than to far someone that I hired just a week ago. The laws are stronger nowadays. If you own some kind of business, you better make sure you want that person. That person's right for you and your company before you hire them because you just can't get rid of them no more. And this judge says, it's easier to divorce my wife of 26 years than to fire somebody that I hired last week. The person I hire has more legal clout than my wife does of 26 years. And he says, and this is not a religious man, he says, that's wrong. 
Hallelujah. Matthew 19. I'm skipping over a lot. Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Looks like he was interested in not, no fault divorce. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that which he made them at the beginning, made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife? And they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Matthew 19 and 9. Go down to verse 9. These are the words still of Jesus. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her that is put away, doeth commit adultery. Now if you think pastors strict, you need to look at the words of Jesus. Jesus says, you might not have never been married before, but if you go out here and you marry somebody that's, uh, 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 that's been put away, you're committing adultery too. Does the Bible really teach that? Did Jesus really say that? I just read it. And it's in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament. we got so many people running around today, amen, don't want to do this and do that because it's written in, written in front of the Bible to the back of the Bible. Hello. Hallelujah. Now, I understand terms between, between uh, law and grace. I under, understand that, but, but I still believe Bible's Bible. Hallelujah. I've had to quit. I had more. But regaining the right perspective of marriage. Obviously, this message today is more so for our younger people than some of us has been down the trail because, let's face it, those of us who may have made mistakes and and not followed all of God's principles, you know, God is a forgiving God. Thank God for grace. But don't never... Younger people don't never walk into something and say, well, I know this ain't quite right or this ain't quite God's will for me to marry this one. But, you know, he's, he's a God of love and he's a God of grace. He'll forgive me. Forgive me. Don't go into anything counting on that because if you go into it with that mode and that attitude, he may, attitude, he may not forgive you. Hallelujah. Amen. God's got a love and He's got a grace, but He won't be taken for for a fool. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to better proclaim some of these basic truths because we're living in the world that we're living in. Let's everybody stand together. Hallelujah. Praise God. No matter what it is, be it marriage, worship, career, anything. It's always going to work out better if we follow God's plan, God's guidelines. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I appreciate you being here.
today and your attention in, in this message and uh, the, the, the service that we had is so good. Is anybody needs prayer for anything? Prayer for your body or, or that? I want to give an opportunity if anybody feels a need for prayer, if you want a prayer for your body or anything. God is a prayer answering God. Amen? He's a prayer answering God. Praise the Lord. Amen. We know that uh, warm weather is, is right around the corner. We got some. I 